right, everybody, welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I am a romance novel veteran. And I am the Virgin River super fan. Um, and today is such a special episode, guys. We are absolutely thrilled and excited and a little nervous um, to have uh, Sue Tenney with us. So Sue Tenney is a talented producer, having produced shows such as Seventh Heaven, Cedar Cove, and The Good Witch. Most recently, she has been an executive producer in all three seasons of Virgin River. We are so oh. happy to have her with us. Welcome, Sue. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm also, and, and also I developed the series. So, um, and well, I think that's great because, you know, we are obviously big fans of romance novels here, uh, the book form. And how did Virgin River come to you? Had you been a big fan of the series for a long time and you, and you wanted to adapt it or sort of how did that process start? I read, um, I read a, I, I read a, uh, I read a few, I read some novels, I read some romance novels, and this is the one that really spoke to me. So, um, uh, and then I read some more. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I met Robin, uh, Robin Carr, who's awesome, by the way, um, a fantastic partner and uh, a hoot to, to uh, you know, uh, also. And then it just kind of took, it went from there. And then it was just adapting the book to, it was adapting the book to television series. So taking it from one medium to the other medium. And Robin's been such a great partner in that. Um, she always says, she said at the beginning, she said, would tell her fans, she's like, if you love the books, you're going to love the series. If you love the series, you're going to love the books. And I think that that's kind of worked for everybody because I believe her book sales have gone like skyrocketed um and there are people that didn't know about the book series and there are people who you know are obviously fans of the show um that watch and they're like they really love the show and so what were some of the challenges in adapting a story from obviously novelization that's like very specific to the for tv well i think you know because you're a romance you're a romance reader um and so you know that a lot of times it's uh, it's a different character per book. So it's not an overall arc, um, like you say, Game of Thrones or Outlander, um, you know, where that has a more episodic feel to it. Um, so I think that's, and I like the challenge of that. So it's like, it, it's the it's the character that speaks to you and that and that's, uh, Mel Monroe spoke to me right away. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and Jack Sheridan, I felt like these were characters that I hadn't really seen um, before. Um, and I really wanted to get to know them more. And that's really what television allows you to do, which is great. Um, you know, you can take a character and you can just, you know, you just keep peeling back the onion and peeling back the onion, peeling back the onion. But I think that's the biggest, that's probably the biggest challenge in doing an adaptation. And then what you, for me is also, I want to keep it in the world of Robin Carr. So if we make changes and pivots for television, um, myself and my uh, partner in crime, Amy uh, Palmer Robertson, um, who's an executive producer and writer on the show, um, we always do it with a uh, sensibility that we know that would this fit into Robin's world. So, and it was great. Robin gave the best, uh, I think I got the best review ever when we, she saw season one. She watches it like an audience member, by the way. She doesn't get mm -hmm. early stuff to watch. She loves to watch it like an audience member. And she told me she was so, she loved all the twists and turns. She goes, she wished she had thought of a few of them. So <laughs> I thought that was a great, uh, that was such a, it's such a really, um, uh, really wonderful compliment from a writer. And I'm very respectful of the fact that she's, it's her, it's her world. 
you know, um, I've taken it to the TV land, but I'm a writer. So <laughs> like I have a, 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 just an innate sense of, uh, of that, um, you know, uh, of respect and ownership of that. So we just, I think that that's why we've done well with, you know, the book readers, you know, I don't know if you can, everybody, but, you know, I think that is because it's, you know, there's such a genuine respect in, in taking it from one medium to the other medium. That's great. So what was the casting process like? Because we actually didn't read our first Virgin River book until after the show. I think it was like the second season. So to us, that is Jack and Mal. There's, when I read Virgin River, I was like the first novel. I was revisiting some friends in between seasons, but I mean, I think you guys did such a great job with the casting. So what was like the process there? Did you go through a lot of people to find the perfect Jack, the perfect Mel? We were really blessed in that the script was sent out to, you know, all the major big agencies and um, they submitted people um, that they thought that we might like. And then we went through the process of going through those. And, you know, Alex was just perfect, you know, from the get go. Um, and we cast, you know, it was Mel first, you have to cast Mel first in this series. And then, you know, they're equals to me. Like I treat, you know, like, but, but in the series itself, like it's, it hinges on the relationship and it hinges on, you know, you know, her as well. So Alex came into it and then we, same, same process for, uh, when we got to, uh, Martin Henderson. And, um, and I had, I had conversations with both of them on the phone, really lovely, long conversations. And, um, and we talked about, you know, characters and where we're taking things and what the ideas and, um, you know, and it just, uh, it, it was great. And then I remember being on set um, uh, first day. Um, it was freezing, by the way, <laughs> we were on location. It was the, it was the first day we shot was the day where they were out, where the Eagles, where they go see the Eagles. Oh, yeah. And I'm behind, I was behind the monitors and I was looking and that even with the freezing temperatures and pretending that it was freezing <laughs> and it was the first day and everything, there was a connection and a chemistry there that I was like, if we can do this at sub-zero temperatures, we can do it anywhere. So yes. it was, it, it, it just, it has been, uh, it's been a blessing because you don't always, you don't know what you're going to, you know, you cast two different people and you wait and see what happens, you know, kind of a thing. So lucky, we were very, very fortunate on that. And, um, and they, I think are, are good friends outside of the show. Um, they didn't know each other before they walked on the stage together though. So they'd never worked together before. Wow. Yeah. They have such great chemistry that you, it's just something that you can't really, it just is there, right? It's not something that you can sh create and shoot around. It's either there or it's not lightning in a bottle, you know, and the scene that really, I was like, oh, wow, we really have a show was when they were at the bar, when she walks in, in the bar. Mm -hmm. um, that was the first scene I think we shot on uh, on set. Um, and I was just like, holy moly, because that was just, you know, they just had it like in, in, in droves. And it was great. There's some scenes in the third series where they'll stop action where Mel walks in wearing something and Jack will just be like, you're stunning. You're gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And it feels so organic. Like it doesn't feel, it feels like, oh, here's just two people who are stopping everything and just being in love. And I think that's, you guys do such a good job with that. And I think the, the casting in general, because it's become such a ensemble and a multi-generational ensemble, which is another thing that we love about it is that you've got Doc and Hope, you've got Ricky and Lizzie, 
you've got Mel and Jack, and it's it's just spanning so many different you know times in people's lives to be in love. And was that the idea when you adapted? Was like we're gonna make this an ensemble because Jack and Mel are the heart. But I think you guys have really taken it in different directions that have been really awesome. Thanks. I I I think that what we wanted was the sense of community, which is something that we got from the series of the books. So that was another thing that we felt that was really connected with people. And I think that, you know, everyone having gone through the pandemic and everything, I think everyone really like it's the thing that you it's always there. You have it in your life, right? And then all of a sudden you just didn't have the contact with people. And it really just brought that home, how much that matters, right? And so I think that that, you know, um that part of it, that element of it was really was was really important, you know, as far as a as far as part of making the series work. And then in, in doing that, we just spread out to here are the characters that we really, you know, Ricky and Lizzie have a great story in the books. I they're aged up a, a little bit, but it's a great story that and their their story spans through all of, you know all the novels and stuff. So you know, Paige and Preacher, um, another one. Uh, Doc and Hope are probably Doc was single in the books, and um, I and Hope was Hope was Hope. Hope was a smaller <laughs> uh, Hope was a uh, Hope was a, a smaller character in the books. If you, you've read the books, so you know. And I remember talking to Annette O'Toole, who is fantastic. Oh, um, yes. And she had read the she read the script and signed up for it. And then she read the book and she goes, and she was like, I'm not in there. You're like, she's like, you know, yeah. I was like, so I really, I really love, you know, I love rounding stuff out with the non-perfect people. I think that, um, and I, I also say no one's really perfect in, in, in Virgin River. And I think those people really connect with that. We all have our, our scars and our wounds and, and, and our mistakes, you know, and so I think that that is something that's universal through all the characters that you see, and then also in how they couple and what they couple with. You know, Hope and Doc. You know, it turned out they were maybe married but living apart for all those years. You know, um, you know Mel and Jack. You know, he he's you know a confirmed you know not ever going to marry, and then he he meets the one woman he can't say no to. You know, she's like, I had one love of my life. I'm never going to have another. And then there's another love of her life. So. Everything is, you know, Ricky and Lizzie, it's like opposites attract, you know, um, page and preacher, you know, slow, quiet, um, you know, familiar love, right? You know, so it's like, it's all, it's all different kinds of love. Well, well, thank you for having so much hope in these series. Annette O'Toole is amazing. We love hope so much. <laughs> She's the best. And she, I, and so I, I know there was some, you know, COVID restrictions and things going on during the third season. So and one of those being that Annette O'Toole wasn't really on set. I mean, she brings all that energy in a FaceTime, like the amount of energy and just like acting that she does in a <laughs> FaceTime is off the charts. But what were some of those challenges with the COVID and everything? First challenge was we had the season pretty much, you know, written and ready to go. And then... COVID happened, you know, and so we, you know, it, it turned out, you know, Annette has an elderly parent, and it was just, it's the, it's the back and forth and the be having to quarantine and everyone remembers what it was like when it was, because we were one of the first productions back in. Um, okay. uh, we, um, I know I left for Vancouver, I think at that point it was in July and we started shooting August, September, yeah, we were September, I think. So we were, we were really the, one of the, first shows back in and doing it and you know safety is number one priority with netflix and so we have these amazing 
you know, health and safety coordinators and all that kind of stuff. But there's that personal element of like, what if you can't get to your person? What if you, you know, and for Annette, you know, she needed to be able to be able to get to her mom. And, you know, once we had a vaccine, you know, we were, we were back in business. So um, then Amy and I just went with the challenge of, you know, this is a really big and loved character and we don't, we want to make sure that we keep her alive in the show, even though the two, we have the two phone calls, but we wanted to keep her alive for the rest of the, you know, the other 10, you know, the other eight episodes. And I think we accomplished that, you know, and that's, that is a, that is a challenge, you know, because we don't physically have the actors, um, but she was talked about, she was present in the stories, she was focal point in the stories. And so I think that that's, you know, it was really a concerted effort to um, protect that character and have her ready to hopefully rejoin us um, you know, post, uh, post pandemic. And she gets out of the hospital though. We're can, can, can I say that that's, re- that was really mean to do to us. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's so mean. <laughs> I know. I know you're right. You, it, you're doing your job. That's the thing. No, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was, um, it was, uh, it was, it, I, I really, it, it turned out, it was just such a great story in the end, the whole from beginning to end. So Amy and I were really proud of that because it was a pandemic pivot. Yes, you guys did a good job. And you know, what came out of that too is that beautiful scene with Lizzie and Doc yeah. in the emergency room where Lizzie was, I, I feel like I'm just you know praising you guys so much, but we really do love this show so much is that, you know, Lizzie's introduced, she's supposedly the quote-unquote fast girl from California, L.A., Hollywood. And now she's, in this season, she's completely integrated herself into this town in such a fabulous way. And that's like the culmination where you go, oh, Lizzie is part of this town. She cares about these people. And that was such a sweet scene with the, with the listening to the earbuds together with Doc. So have your shout outs to Amy uh, Power Robertson who wrote that scene um, and uh, and did an amazing, amazing, amazing job with it. And um, uh, and uh, we we found the perfect song for it. So we're big on our music on this show and um, we found the perfect song to go with it. And it just it was so it, it got everybody. It mm-hmm. literally got every person who read it and it got you know, we had stage people crying, <laughs> you know, you know, when you get, the, you know, when you get the tubes and the grip size, you know, you got something. Yes. I know that, I know that going back a long way. I'm like, well, oh, the grips are liking it, you know? So, um, yeah, so it was really, it was really special. And we, and it's the same thing we like to do for all of our characters. We're moving them ahead. Like we're not, you know, and, and everyone's multidimensional, you know, you know, she appears to be this, right. You know, but no one ever is what just this one thing, you know, and there's reasons why Lizzie is the way Lizzie is, you know, um, it's just like there are reasons why Ricky is how he is. So we love that you pick up on the, you know, on that and that we're moving the character forward. And, and what does that mean? And if we're lucky enough to get a season four, we'll continue to pull back, you know, more layers of that onion. And, you know, and, there, and what's great is that Robin gave us these fantastic characters um that are so rich that we feel that we can find all of these things you know um you know that their past you know informs their future and their present you, you did a similar thing with muriel as well she was a character that has so many more layers and dimensions now and i think we're rooting very much for her 
to have her happily ever after. So yeah, yeah. there's a really sweet scene in three um, where Lily talks to her, you know, um, about, you know, she's worried about her heart, you know, um, and, and there's a point where, you know, Muriel's like, you know, I know what people say about me, you know, it's like, you know, so she's, you know, I, I don't, I, I personally strive always in every character I've ever written there. I, if I've written a one dimensional character, then I've not done my job. So to me, that's the challenge. And it's also the fun of writing. Um, and that's why you, you get, you meet somebody. It's just like when you meet somebody for the first time and you see, this is what you say. And then you get to know them a little bit more and this is what you say, you know? So it's, it, it's, that's what you want in television. I think is you want to really, you know, every week or, you know, <laughs> like some people binged it in a day. Um, but, you know, every, every episode you want to feel like you're getting a little bit more closer to that person, like a great person you have coffee with, you know, you know, once a week or something like that. And it's like, you know, it's like a casual friend and a, um, a BFF, right? And I think mm -hmm. that a lot of people feel that they have BFFs in Virgin River. Oh, I, we do. <laughs> Certainly. So uh, we are obviously a romance novel podcast. Virgin River is a romance series. Um, were you a romance fan prior to this? And I think also you can tell the way that this series is written, that it's been written by romance fans so I'll be surprised if you say no and no one in the room was a romance fan you have that sort of care but yeah no, I think that I think I'm I wasn't really a romance novelist per se but I do I do tend to go towards romance I really dove deep into the foray of uh of you know the Robin Carr world and stuff but no I think that you know we um we all and Amy as well you know the, the romance is such a big part of our show you know, and it's, uh, and, and we love it. Like everybody loves it. You know, that's what we hear. You know, um, uh, my sister was just telling me, um, how transported she was by, um, you know, the uh, scene in the pond, uh, behind the cabin with the lanterns, you, you, you know, my sister, it, she, she, she's not someone I would ever say like, Oh, you're so romantic. <laughs> it was like, it was really lovely, you know? So I think that, um, but yes, no, we're, we're all fan. We're all fans and um, of of romance and uh, and romance uh, novels uh, per se. Yeah, definitely, um, because it's such a and it's just it's how we start every story. It's you know what's the Mel and Jack story? Mm -hmm. You know, that's how we start every episode when we're breaking them. It's like okay, what's the Mel and Jack story? And then we do yeah. what's the Mel story yeah. Jack story. You know, so um, and uh, and then we just get those really wonderful romance moments that people really like. My sister. You know, he was just like, you know, crazy for. And uh, um, and I think that that you have to like those are those are beautiful. Like those are just we've had so many of them. But even just the delayed gratification of the fact that they didn't sleep together until the second season, you know, um, that it was a slow burn, you know, um, because, you know, in romance novels, it's not the first page. So it's like, nope, it's 50 percent no. or later. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, and I, I, you know, like, you know, we're just taking it at this level because it just, but they, we had to get to that place for them both emotionally to make it real and right. And also, like I said, just an homage to the books. Like, you know, it's not the first, you know, it's not the first, uh, it's not the first 10 pages. So at least not yeah. the books I've read. No, <laughs> no, but you could, you could definitely feel that pacing and you can feel when, 
that you guys love the genre and have respect for the genre and are writing towards the genre. And I think that is the strength of Virgin River and the way that like a romance novel at any stage, any character could be the next book. So you always want to be building up every even side characters as opposed to just trying to write away from the romance. And I think you really subvert those sort of tropes um, and, and also play into those tropes in a way that's really, really lovely with sort of like the building up of Charmaine and Muriel and Lizzie and all of these little side characters that make it feel like such a, it feels like when people walk off screen that they're continuing to live their lives and they don't just sort of exist in this box. So well, I'm going to take that. Thank yeah. you. That's a compliment, but that is exactly, that's exactly what we strive to do. And it sounds like we are doing. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And it's the, it's the strength of, you know, I, I think it's also the, you know, you can't move away from what is the basic, what made this novel successful in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't a historical novel, you know, it's a romance novel. So if you lean away from the element that made it what it is, you're leaning away from uh, what it is. You know, it's not even just about like the audience, like angering, you know, the book audience. Like, it's not about that. It's about, you know, it's about having respect for, um, what, you know, the audience of the books, right? Because that they were there before the audience for the television were there, you know? And yeah. so I think it, you know, that's, I mean, I think that really comes up quite a bit in our thoughts and even in our subconscious now, and you know, in the beginning, it was more of like, you know, asking questions and all, you know, but now it's like, it's just second, it's, it's just second nature for us. Now you have a, 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 a very career, a long career of, and you wrote a lot for, broadcast television right what is what is the challenges in because you mentioned earlier there's people who just buzz through this whole entire season in a day and that's that's it's not a new phenomenon anymore but you know it's newer and what are the challenges of writing for netflix as opposed to writing for say something like seven heaven which was on every week and you kind of knew that that's how it was going to be digested the first time at the very least yeah, no, it's funny on Seventh Heaven because when we first started doing, when I first started doing Seventh Heaven, it was four acts. So it was a prologue and four acts. So at every act break, you had to have something that would bring the audience back, the you know cliffhanger and whatnot. And then they changed it to six. They changed the formatting. We could add more commercials into it, and I forget if it was like if it was like my sixth or seventh year on the show, and it was like seriously two more. <laughs> so. Um, I think I've always had cliffhangers in my head and like how I write, you know, as, as a way, even on, you know, broadcast, like trying, you know, like it's to bring, you know, bring the audience back again. Um, but I think that, you know, the, the thing that's so different is, is that you just don't to write something to know that the world is watching. I think that's the biggest thing. I think when we first aired, it was like, okay, well, here we are. We're, you know, we're number one or whatever in the U.S. and Canada and here and there, whatever. And then you get the rest of the stuff. You, you you follow the numbers and you're like, you're in the world. I mean, that's the part you forget that you're just in the world. And that just doesn't happen on broadcast television. So we were in France the same day we were in America, the same day we were in Ethiopia, uh, the same day we were in Ireland, you know. And so that part of it is the biggest difference, you know, because you are truly global, you know. And once we finish the show, they then have to put it into all the languages. So it takes, so it's it's different than if when you do, you know, a lot of times you broadcast, you're still shooting while you're writing. You know, we're, we get close to the finish line by the time we start to shoot, 
um, because once we get to the end, you can't be, you can't have that, that lag time uh, because of the stuff that they need to do in it. But I loved writing for, um, I loved writing for broadcast. It was different, you know, um, I didn't realize it until I got into, into uh, Netflix and binging, like, you know, the, the difference in, but I think it's more of making sure that it's something that's really binge worthy and even though you know the person's going to click on the next episode quickly, you know, because that's usually what happens, you still have to earn that, like they're not going to click on it for a week. Mm-hmm. So you still have to write something that's going to make them crazy for a week, even yes. though it, it, for, for some people are going to wait. But that's really what it, it, it that's the big difference. You know, you're going to even make, you know, and, and some people can't wait and some people do. I don't, most of people say that they get, they just, they can't stop. But we write it like, you're going to have to wait a whole week. Like we know that that that's the torture of a cliffhanger, right? Is of what's going to happen next and, and, you know, um, and how is this going to end or how is this going to begin? So. Well, you mastered that, especially this last episode of season three. (laughs) So many cliffhangers, (laughs) but what can we do? Susan, thank you so much because we know we have very limited time with you. You're very busy, but. Um, what can we do to make this season four happen? What can me and Aaron do? I mean, we're, we're doing the reviews. We're interviewing you. I'm screaming to the mountains. What can we do to, to make this a sure shot? Just keep your, just keep everyone watching and, and going. And, um, and hopefully we'll find out sooner rather than later. And um, because I just, I don't want to personally go to the witness relocation program. If we don't, yes. <laughs> I literally left everybody up in the air (laughs) so i'm here for my own safety um but no um i think i do what you're doing and it was and and uh, and continue doing what you're doing which is just being a supportive fan and uh the network is listening and um you know netflix is listening and we appreciate it and we really appreciate it well we love the show and thank you so much for taking the time to come on we really appreciate it hopefully after season four we can talk to you again maybe please i'm here i'm at my computer (laughs) awesome (laughs) well thank you so much i thanks so much susan (laughs) thank you guys i really appreciate it